y'all. Good Monday evening. Thank you for tuning in, America. Hey, Pastor look, Toby, Chalk Knocks. Where's my water? It's all and I'm the water boy. Again. We're all here. Yeah. Where's my uh, school started Gone. today for my kids? I dropped yeah. them off. Yep. School started. We we got a jam-packed week. And and don't worry, Baptists, buddies. We're gonna get there. Now, when you say Baptist, which Baptist are you saying? I'm, I'm just saying all my Baptist buddies. Okay. So really, well, we got, maybe we got, you understand um, the John difference. Tiggs uh, mm. coming on the show, and um, uh, his uh, Loudoun County. Oh. Um, the, the, the all the people that were kind of caught up in the Loudoun County okay. debacle. It's really interesting so story come coming. Up. That's tomorrow. Okay. Uh, on Wednesday. Uh, beer and Psalms. Yeah. Thursday we have. Wait, 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 wait. Aren't we trying to get Joe Rigney? I can't. On? Oh, he hadn't confirmed with me yet. No, I'm saying we're so trying. We're That'd trying to nice. get Joe Rigney on for for Wednesday. But tell why we're trying to get Joe Rigney on. Because he wrote an article on why we were right. No, no, he wrote. <laughs> no. no, he wrote an article on on why uh, how his Baptist church can accept a pedo Baptist. Baptisms, uh, baptism at his church because he's a he's a credo Baptist church. Right. Yeah, so just yeah, continue that conversation. So it's kind of inter- interesting conversation. Unity there. between Presbyterians and, and Baptists. And then we're gonna have James White come on uh, later, Thursday? E- either Thursday or Friday. We okay. haven't nailed that down. James is traveling right now, but he's gonna come on so we can kind of fight this out. And then on uh, a Thursday, we also have another show happening on Thursday. We're gonna have some local uh, politicians running for oh, that's uh, right. county commissioner yep, yep. on oh. Thursday. And then on Friday, we got Larson Hicks coming in. Talk about family business, economy, and, wow. and, and that's a jam-packed week. It's a jam-packed I'm, week. I'm excited. There you I'm go. I'm excited. Hey, using a smartphone or computer opens the door to a host of digital temptations. In a world saturated with pornography and other harmful content, what's a Christian to do? We need to take a proactive approach, welcoming transparency in our digital media choices and accountable to you. That's accountable, the number two, and then the word you makes that easy. Their accountability software shares detailed activity reports from all your devices and your kids' devices in real time to the accountability partners that you choose. With accountability in place, your family can effectively guard against temptations online and live with purity and integrity. Learn more and try it free at accountable, the number two, the word you, Y-O-U, dot com forward slash F-L-F. And they're going to be boothing at a conference. Hey, awesome. Awesome. Knoxville. Link to neurodegenerative disease, myocarditis, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, impaired DNA damage response, etc. So it's possible, in fact, it's looking likely that the vaccine might suppress the immune system. This fact, the authors concluded, will quote, have a wide range of consequences, not the least of which include the reactivation of latent viral infections and the reduced ability to effectively combat future infections, end quote. Now, again, we sincerely hope that's not true, but it's not just the conclusion of one scientific journal. The Lancet, maybe the most famous scientific journal in the world, released similar findings in February. The Lancet's piece was entitled, quote, risk of infection, hospitalization and death up to nine months after a second dose of COVID-19 vaccine. A physician called Kenji Yamamoto made this observation about the data from The Lancet. He wrote this in a letter to the Journal of Virology, and we're quoting, the study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated individuals. Mm. Ah. Now your first response, if you're a humane person, to a line like that has got to be deep sympathy. Mm -hmm. Because people were misled, they were forced. They were forced. Medical ethics thrown out the window. People were forced to take medicine they didn't want. Mm. And some of them may have been hurt by it. 
And you don't have to take this man's word for it. Pull up the Lancet study yourself. You won't find anything of the text of the article saying what Kenji Yamamoto said, which is weird. Why would the Lancet want to hide a major finding like that? We can't say. But if you look at table three in the piece, here's what you'll find buried in the data. Among people around the age of 80 who have been double vaccinated, that would include people like Joe Biden, mm. the per capita rate of medical incidences, including hospitalizations or death, is nearly twice as high as the rate of serious incidents for the unvaccinated. This is 180 days after vaccination. What is that? And why is no one interested? You know, this wow. is insane. I, all wow. I can think about is all the TV shows, all the popular media that was out there doing, go get vax, save right. a life, da da da. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, all that singing and stuff don't seem <laughs> so right. joyful no more. This seems kind of creepy. Yeah. With us right now on the show, Dr. Jordan Vaughn is owner and CEO of Med B Help Clinics. Med Help Clinics now has six locations, sees over 170,000 patients a year, mm. employs 18 physicians, over 200 healthcare workers. Wow. Jordan Vaughn received his BS in chemical engineering from the University of Alabama, his medical degree from UAB School of Medicine, and completed his residency in internal medicine at UAB Hospital. Welcome horns. Since the appearance of SARS-CoV-2 as owner and CEO, Jordan has pushed his organization to be on the leading edge of properly delivering early outpatient treatment for his patients and in the Birmingham community for COVID-19. Dr. Uh, Vaughn, thanks for joining us again on CrossPolitik. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I enjoy being with y'all. Well, so you caught this, this uh, Tucker clip. You are uh, uh, um, uh, familiar with the literature and some of the studies that he's even citing there. Um, in, in your medical opinion, is the are there is the vaccine showing signs that it suppresses uh, the human immune system? Yeah, it, I mean, there's no question about that. Obviously, uh, every time you poke the bear of the immune system, uh, there might be a benefit, but there's uh, likely also going to be consequences. That's why historically. Uh, when we look at something like uh, injecting healthy people with a therapeutic like this thing is, that we usually want years of analysis to find out mm -hmm. what is the consequence. And many times, especially with this technology, mRNA technology, that's been useful in treating people with cancer. By the way, those people have cancer. Right. Yeah. They are not otherwise healthy people. So again, yeah. It's very different. So when you're talking about a, a therapeutic that turns into a vaccine, a vaccine is injecting otherwise healthy people. And you better make pretty darn good sure that it's not going to have secondary consequences. Because one thing we've learned in the last 20 years, just even in how we treat things like cancer. I mean, even you know, in the 90s, we treated it with surgical resection. We treated it with chemotherapy. We treated it with radiation. Um now, primarily can cancer therapy, and it's really been revolutionizing cancer therapy, we treat it with immunotherapy. So we mm. use the immune system uh, to treat cancer. Mm. Well, interesting to think about that us messing with the immune system might cause cancer to reappear. Wow. So wait, Dr. wait did, did, did <laughs> the definition of vaccine change in all this from the, in 2020, right? Um, yeah. To be able to no, not only that, I think the CDC, yeah, the CDC, uh, FOIA request shows that they actually spent a good time trying to figure out how to uh, change the website and all their information to be in line with the product. It's a you can actually look at about 60 pages of emails between the CDC employees. But what they were doing is they were getting a lot of kickback 
on saying, well, this doesn't meet the definition of what y'all defined a vaccine for. And instead, obviously, and again, if you're, you know, emailing on a government computer system, you ought to realize that somebody's going to ask for those emails at some point. Right. But I'm not really sure. What, you know, they know that all the time. But so, okay. so help me um, real quick. I think I'm hearing you make a distinction then between a traditional vaccine and what you're calling a therapeutic. Can you, can you yeah. and, help, and, help, and, help us and, understand what's what's the difference between those two things? So historically, I mean, again, and I think the paper that uh, Tucker's commenting on, that is the difference. I mean, you know, historically, we use inactivated uh, viruses. So we would take a virus Mm -hmm. um, and we would take the part off of it that is most pathogenic. Uh, We would put it in some medium, whether, you know, for a while that was egg based medium or some type of that would replicate that inactivated virus. And then we would put a fixed amount into somebody's deltoid into their arm and you would be passively interfacing with that antigen and making an antibody response that works against uh, additional infection. Um, There are other vaccines that are what we call subunit or subparticle vaccines. So they just take a part of the virus and hope that that thing is uh, giving them pretty good and a pretty good immune response. mRNA is, is is not even really in the class of that. It actually kind of gives vaccines a bad name, which by the way, you've seen and probably uh, the uptake of, you know, you see the pediatricians going, you know what, this thing was so bad that no one even trusts any vaccine anymore. It's like the redheaded stepchild that, you know, it's like you're you're bad company kind of thing. And and I think, uh, and they kind of knew this going in that if they're going to use the name of Pfizer, which Pfizer's historically has had a great name. They've always had a uh, really revolutionizing drugs, not what we call me too drugs. Me too drugs are drugs that, you know, we already have that where they just come along and say, Hey, this one doesn't have as many side effects, you know? Right. Um, they used Pfizer's name probably inappropriately to get people to think, Hey, this is working. And they used a technology that really isn't, I mean, historically is not a vaccine. First of all, usually to even get approved for a vaccine, it should last at least a year and have an efficacy of over 50% of preventing of infection. Um, well, they had two months of data or three months of data. And, you know, it was 95%. Again, that, that, that data was probably regardless what, what went on. I think there's, there was some interesting outcomes there in terms of what they called an infection. Even Deborah Burks recently uh, almost like, is like, of course we knew it didn't do this. And of course we didn't test those people in the trial. And I was just kind of like, so you're admitting to fraud here, you know, like this this is (laughs) what, um, she wrote like a 600 page uh, tome on, on her, uh, on her ability to get around uh, Atlas and those guys and tell them what to do. Uh, wow. So regardless vaccines, historically uh, they prompt the immune system. There's always side effects to vaccines. Okay. No question. Okay. They are very low historically. Um, but that doesn't mean that the people that have them or get, get the consequences, whether they're Guillain-Barre or an autoimmune attack, um, they're serious, but compared to that, this is a vaccine and a vaccine with quotation marks over it, unlike any other. And it's because it isn't like any other. Uh, so why didn't we do a use a traditional, you know, COVID vaccine for COVID? Why didn't we do the traditional route? People were dying, Gabe. So, so uh, it, it it baffles me how they say, well, you know, we couldn't do that because uh, we wouldn't know what to do. Um, the reality is we have done actually the technology that's used in this vaccine uh, from the vaccine research 
Foundation, which is part of the NIH. I mean, the the actual spike spike protein stabilization technology, which we just licensed to the rest of the world about three months ago, (laughs) was patented in 2016. So um, when they say this was new, we did it really quick. They're just lying to you. I mean, we've they've been messing with the spike protein since 2003, and they had been trying to so. And then when MERS came along, which was Middle Eastern Respiratory uh, Syndrome or virus, um, they again messed with the spike protein and they found a way to stabilize it in a confirmation pattern that allowed it to be uh, harder for the body to break down. And so that's really where you got your immune response. And the mRNA technology, as Robert Malone talks about, was, I mean, mRNA itself usually gets eaten up by the innate immune system, which is what I would call your alarm system in your in your body, which is kind of the first, um, the first, the first kind of response. But if you wrap it in what we would call fatty cation positive, and now they've renamed it to liponanoparticles, uh, it kind of allows the body to, to really transfect it into the cell. And then it kind of tricks it into reading it. It's almost like, you know, entering some code into a computer that it's not supposed to read. So, 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 Doc, help me because I have so many questions because mm-hmm. this is something mm-hmm. that I was concerned about at the beginning of this. Um, I said, if they can tell you to put on a mask, you know, this is we started doing daily shows to try and communicate to everybody. If they can tell you to put on a mask, they'll tell you to get a vaccine right. um, and they don't have to go to the testing of they can do whatever they want to do. If they can get you to do one thing, right, take your rights away here and force you to do everything. Let me just start here. What is inside of the vaccine that is making what what's what is the fallout of it? What is falling out of the vaccine? What what is what is going to be? Let's say that I got the vaccine and I'm getting my second dose. What are some of the things, the adverse effects that you guys are concerned about that you're seeing and say, hey, you can expect to see this, that, and the other thing? Well, I mean, the first thing would be, you know, when we're talking about classic vaccinology. The word inactivate and the word inactivating a viral vaccine would mean you would take the part off of it that causes the damage. Uh, So the first thing I usually tell people is, well, what makes COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 unique? What causes it to be so, you know, causes significant morbidity and mortality? Meaning what does it cause people to go to the hospital for unlike any other virus? Okay. And the answer to that is, and most honest physicians will tell you this, oh, it's the spike protein. Okay. So, but what do you think the vaccine makes you make? Spike protein. Exactly. So that should have been your first clue that the very thing that makes the virus pathogenic is they are giving you the instructions to. And unfortunately, what we've learned and, you know, treating a lot of people that have vaccine injury from people that have had serious COVID, especially what we would call persistent COVID or long COVID, um, it is the spike protein pathology. And actually I'm, speaking in October at uh, we're having the first FLCCC summit in Orlando and uh, speaking about kind of what we would call micro clotting pathology, the spike protein itself, if you were to drop it in plasma or platelet poor plasma, which is what I could do if I got your, got your blood, David, and like spun it down and use your plasma, it would, the spike protein itself would cause fibrin to crosslink. And then it would crosslink in a way that would make it very hard for your body to break down. Fibrin is another word for clots. Okay. okay. And so, wow. um, so you, n- not surprised here that uh, one of the biggest side effects of this vaccine is clotting pathology, correct? Yeah, right. Um, well, it happens to be that the thing they're teaching you to make by itself is fancy word is thrombogenic, but it 
it makes you make clots and it makes it clots in such an abnormal way that they're very difficult for the body to break down. Wow. And that's what causes significant destruction. So why why is it happening at the second dose? Because that's one of the things that the article was talking about, that this is happening, you know, mainly after the second dose, they're seeing a lower immune system. So, yeah. So the priming of it is, I mean, again, you need two doses. So the first dose, your body is still, God designed it to be very effective at even getting rid of the junk that Tony Fauci decides to put in it. But <laughs> if you, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of hit it twice or hit it three times, or in Biden's case, hit it four times, um, your body uh, goes, well, I, I guess it looked bad to me, but it, I, I guess we're going to go with this now, you know, kind of like, uh, wow. <laughs> and so in, in, in that sense, what you're doing is uh, the problem is, is what we call antibody dependent enhancement. And it's a good example. Like I, I had an 80 year old patient today that had COVID. She was unvaccinated, which is fantastic, which I don't even know why we classify them, but she had cleared COVID in five days. Uh, oh. even the new England journal of medicine. Okay. Uh, this came out in June of 28 of 2022 in the new England journal unvaccinated. It takes about five days to clear it for where they can culture it. Vaccinated takes about 10 boosted takes 15 plus days. Wow. And here's the, the answer. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Biden was double boosted. You know, I, I, for a while I was saying, well, he, he, he can't have taken this. Maybe he's probably just lying. Well, no, when he, when he stays positive for 18 days, it's pretty obvious that he's, He's taken the jab, so we're taking the jab and boosted. So. Wow! So, so why haven't they stopped? Are, I mean, so it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, why haven't they stopped? Well, oh, not, not only have they not stopped, guess what? They're coming out for the fall. Another boost. shut up. Another booster. No, no, but it's a booster with another different spike protein. Oh no! They're giving you two. So they're, they're giving you a bivalent spike protein, so you're not only going to get the original Wuhan spike. Now you're going to get the Omicron spike, which also begs the question, why do you have to include the original? We have to include the original because it's what we call original antigenic scent, meaning that it, your your body is marked with this. It can't get rid of the fact that it has already been vaccinated against uh, the original strand. So if you don't include that, it'll confuse you have to basically include that original strand in the bivalent strand. So, so what do we to, just, I'm, I'm sorry, doc, I don't want to interrupt anything. You're wow. saying finish it, please. No, 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 go for it. Okay. Go, I'm good. What do we just do to the human body? So, I mean, I would, Peter McCullough in this article gives a pretty good example of it, but we did things that first of all, um, in somebody who's 70 or 80 years old, the, you know, I, I would say that these vaccines were an interesting attempt to decrease mortality. Okay. And so, but that's about where it ended. Once you started going down the age ladder, uh, all the way down to now six months to five years old, um, they didn't need it. And, and there was no consequence. I mean, it's one thing to give an experimental 30 to an 80 year old and find out 10 years later that they had caused cancer. Well, they're probably not alive because yeah. they're 80. Yeah. Okay. But to give it to young people wow. or people that have more than 10 years on the horizon is, is just nuts. So it's, it's, again, it is a complete collapse of what I would call medical ethics, uh, but also kind of our regulatory environment. And I'm not a fan of regulation, but when it comes to uh, giving a healthy individual a new therapeutic, you better be pretty sure, first of all, you ought to inform them about the potential 
lack of knowledge or knowledge about bad things, but you ought to also have them consent to the fact that they're signing up for an experiment. Did, um, did the, the CDC changed guidelines like in the last couple of weeks regarding, I think, vaccinated, unvaccinated people. Um, what, what is, is that an indication of any kind of change of, uh, of mode well, of operations? Well, as I told you, the New England Journal's paper in, in June uh, 28th that showed that the boosted were the most likely to persist in, in carrying the virus. Of course, the results of that paper at the bottom said boosted people can spread the virus too, which is a little bit understatement. I would say, well, they can share it three times longer was the actual outcome of the data. But wow. in, yeah. in uh, you know, a Pfizer, a Pfizer advertised world, um, the, the result was that boosted are just as likely to uh, spread it as the unvaccinated. So what it really proves is that this from the beginning was uh, known that this thing as a narrow therapeutic with a highly mutable RNA vaccine or, or RNA virus, that these things weren't going to work to begin with, meaning they were not mm. their goal. And Burks as well as Fauci act like they knew this from the beginning, which they're either lying now or they were lying then. But it, we knew that it wouldn't, it wouldn't prevent infection nor stop transmission, yet we acted like it. So again, that's, what? That, that's the falsity. What? Why? Why? Why do you think this is going on? Why, why do you think there's been such a massive collapse in medical ethics? Fear. I mean, fear. And then the other thing is most physicians really aren't their own boss. Most of them are not critical thinkers. Most of them are doers or proceduralists. Yeah. Uh, they're just, you know, um, and they're not bad at it, but they don't have time to sit around and, and uh, read a lot about this. So they kind of outsource their own, um, what I would call common sense to the CDC. The problem is the CDC and the FDA are corrupted. Mm. Um, we know that <sighs> more than ever. So heck, the CDC just had an in, in, you know inspector general report that uh, was kind of, Robert Malone was talking about it. I didn't really realize how those agencies were run but there's something called the uh, Senior uh, Executive Services, the SES, which is like above the GSA and the government. And they're kind of the chief of staff of a lot of these organizations. And they're kind of like the shadow, you know. And so when public polling for your organization goes under a certain thing, the SES gets together. And it's, it's the same people that probably took out Trump, uh, you know, because he wanted to fire a lot of these people. But they're career government bureaucrats that are kind of in their own, like, unfireable position. That's why... I've, He's been talking about trying to use Schedule F to get rid of these people. But um, but I mean, that that goes back to the fact that even I mean, we know our president isn't really there, but even if he was there, <laughs> he, he's 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 uh, he's not necessarily in, you know, he's only in power as much as the SES lets him uh, do the things that he wants to do. So, Doc, you got a, you got a moment to hang around for like 10 more minutes. And I got one more question for yeah. you. Then we'll go backstage. But the last question I want to ask you is if someone has gotten the vaccine is their immune system going to, can they, can they handle a cold? Will, will, will they be able to handle a cold or will a cold something is, like take them out? What, is what, this like a new how, AIDS? Yeah, exactly. So we, we don't really know that. I will say that everyone's different. God made us all different. Uh, and so for some people, you know, the vaccine was, it was just a momentary issue that had no long-term effects, but anytime you poke the bear, which meaning the immune system itself, um, there's going to be certain people that have significant issues. So again, I think that's why it's kind of a, what I would call a soft uh, 
I mean, I'm starting to become a little bit apocalyptic here, but like soft <laughs> genocide, meaning the, 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 it's, it's causing significant morbidity and mortality in older people and cancer occurrences and those kind of things. It, if anything, it probably makes it more likely that you have it. But I've always been kind of one of these people that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, presidents going, hey, we're going to cure cancer. The problem is, is cancer is a genetic issue for many ways. It is, you know, unfortunately, I would call our original sin is in our <laughs> genetics. But, um, you know, and and so messing with your immune system in any particular way, whether that's, you know, being in the sun, taking these injections or a lot of different things, uh, really kind of not necessarily unleash, unleash sounds too uh, severe, but it, 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 it can compromise your what we call tumor suppressor genes, meaning the things that the the things that are trying to keep your your body's uh, innate issue that might come to fruition over years of time. Mm. Meaning, God designed us not to live forever. I would say God designed us to live forever, but for some reason, our genetics decide that. <laughs> these cells stop dividing well, back to the original <laughs> i'm getting, I'm getting yeah, a little yeah. epistemological here yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like it when my doctor gets yeah, me, no, too. Me, me too we need more doctors <laughs> dr von where can people follow you you have been amazing in this whole process listening to you um list and following you has been very helpful to me you speak in a way that i can understand if people want to follow you and and listen to you and catch your updates where can they do that at so concerndoctors.org is, is, is our organization here in Alabama. Uh, and actually, Peter McCullough, the author of this article, is also, um, he's not necessarily part of our organization, but has helped us. Um, and then, uh, in all honesty, I have a podcast with Peter. Peter actually has it on Wednesday, and I have it on Tuesday with Dr. Tankersley. And even though we're not as informative, they're smart as Peter. Uh, we try to uh, make it make it down to earth. I don't know if you ever had Peter McCullough interviewed, but yeah. sometimes he can get pretty high up. You need to have a medical degree to um, to know what he's talking about. So, what's the but, name of your podcast? It's it's basically America Out Loud Pulse, and so it's the uh, it's it, if you go on America Out Loud, which yeah. Malcolm Out Loud. I don't know if y'all know who Malcolm is, but um. He, uh, he, with Peter's kind of success, as well as the desire for a lot of people to learn about medicine, he's got a show every five days a week, different doctors, and we're Tuesday. Mm. Okay. Listen on Tuesdays. I'm, I'm going to ask him. We're going to keep him on. Yeah, we're going to keep him on. Because we got to talk about reproduction stuff. I want to talk about the, that. I want to talk about fertility. And I want to talk about Dr. Fauci's resignation. Yeah, we'll talk about oh, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't know why I just hit the church organ. It's just, it's like, <laughs> I just got sad. I we got, a, we got a pastor doctor. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. All, all my game, you must have been over here playing. I ain't so, touched none. Yeah, you did. All right. The only hey. thing I, I learned, learned how to figure out was the uh, vocal changes. <laughs> you had me sounded like I was a chipmunk <laughs> while you were gone. We're going backstage. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh and feast. It's going to be an interesting week. This is Cross Politic. Home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. 
Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. The season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. All right, so just stay like this. How, how am I doing here? So, yeah, you don't like you don't like this, huh? a Christian education look like when non-Christians are the ones who control the institutions of learning? This is a question that confronted Bishop Augustine of Hippo in North Africa in the 5th century AD. Augustine lived at the twilight of the Roman Empire. He himself had been trained with the best learning that Rome at that time had to offer. He himself actually came through the ranks and taught rhetoric in some of the best schools. And it was then, after he had come of age, that he converted to Christianity, but he wanted to continue the project of education, but this time for Christians. And so he had to confront the question, what does a Christian education look like when the unbelievers control the field? when they control the institutions, when the whole ap apparatus and curriculum of learning emerge from a pagan environment. And so Augustine wondered, what is it that Christians should jettison? What is it that Christians can embrace? What is it that Christians can adopt, but in modified form? These are the questions that Augustine confronted when he sought to educate Christians in an environment when unbelievers dominated the field. A century later, we see a man in the south of Italy named Cassiodorus who faced a very different educational landscape. He had to ask what did a Christian education look like in an environment where unbelievers had abandoned the project of education altogether. The in infrastructure of learning had entirely eroded. If education was to proceed at all, it had to proceed on the foundation of Christianity. The Christians had to be the ones preserving education. What does a Christian education look like when Christians are the ones forming the institutions, when Christians are the ones organizing the curriculum? Well, these two seasons in the history of education, the season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus, just 100 years apart, were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. We're gonna be studying this story. We're going to be going back to the sources. We're going to go back to Augustine. We're gonna go back to Cassiodorus. We're gonna ask ourselves, which of their predicaments most resembles our own? Which can we learn from Augustine's period? What can we learn from Cassiodorus's period? As we confront these questions, we're gonna engage these sources, and we invite you to join us here at New St. Andrews College.